Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. your sporting life with Peter Donegan. And as always, it is a pleasure to have your company for another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. And today we celebrate the life of a gentleman who's had a big say in what has happened on the major football fields over the past four decades or so. And all of that without actually pulling on a boot at the top level. His name is Ray Carroll. He's been part of Assumption College for a long time up until recently. He guided some of the best young men in football and cricket, and I'm delighted to say that Ray is in the studio with us. Ray, welcome. Uh, thanks very much uh, for inviting me. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. It is, but I can well remember those uh, frosty nights at Bearville Park when uh, you and Bobby Skilton were calling Herald Sun Shield games and yeah, Kilmore is a cold place, but Waverley on those winter nights was even worse. Yeah, it was an amazing place, Waverley, because uh, it had its own rain cloud. It was the only yeah. part of Melbourne where it might be raining and the rest of Melbourne would be fine, but they were some memorable nights. And what we're talking about is the Herald Shield games that used to go on before the Tuesday night games in the night competition. Yeah, and uh, every Saturday morning, the uh, a couple of hundred boarders at Assumption would crowd around... Uh, you know, it was uh, really a major event of the week to see the replay of the footy. And it was a fairly long trip if you were coming from Kilmore out to Waverley because in those days we've got the Monash Freeway in Melbourne now that basically takes you all the way out there, but it didn't go all the way out there in those days. No, we'd leave, uh, we'd le- get out of class early, leave Assumption uh, about 3.30 and get stuck in... Uh, traffic jam down Springvale Road and I think the year 1978 when we were heading to the final Neil Danner who was captain and we had uh, an old uh, supporter who was a real character uh, Dick Budd and uh, uh, you know the players and myself uh, the rest of us we were sort of half dozing off uh, down down the road there and then uh, all of a sudden a voice pierced uh, from Dick when do we bloody well get to the South Pole? <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's a bit uh, what it felt like. Yes, it did yeah. very much feel like that. But what an experience for the young men. I guess they would have, after they played, they would have stayed on and watched their idols in the VFL as it was then. So yeah. it would have been a, a very big round trip because you wouldn't get home until late at night. No, we'd uh, get home about one o'clock and they were Tuesday night games. The replay was Saturday morning and home about one and then have to... Uh, uh, you know, boarders that have to rise at seven the following morning and get into the classroom and uh, 
I doubt if there was too much work done, particularly by the the footballers on the uh, Tuesday on the Wednesday morning. Yeah, probably not. I always used to say that that was a great grounding for me as a, a broadcaster to call those matches because yeah. they were difficult. They were kids that you'd never seen before. Yeah. Sometimes there were jumpers with numbers that were about four inches That's long right. on the back of their jumpers. Yeah. But it must have also been good for the young men to get a taste of what it was like to play at one of the big venues as it was then. No, look, they loved it and really looked forward to it. Uh, later on after the uh, VFL night series uh, sort of ended, we did get to play some of those uh, finals at the MCG mm. and uh, a really tremendous experience for the lads. You're still in Kilmore, Ray? Uh, yep and uh, I just write a sports column for the local paper involved with Kilmore Cricket Club uh, get up to the school a bit and uh, uh, yeah, just things like presenting jumpers to the new sides at footy and cricket. And Sumpson had a good win uh, last uh, the other day against Ivanhoe in a, in a semi-final. So a new coach, Kevin Fitzgerald, a local uh, farmer, uh, played a bit of VFA uh, footy. He's doing a good job. Yeah. So you still like going down and watching the boys? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've got uh, one of my... Yeah, uh, nieces, her young daughter is 13 and she plays women's footy for Keelor and uh, she's made the uh, uh, interstate, the Victorian side to play in the under-15 interstate footy carnival in Adelaide. So uh, we're pretty happy about that. I would imagine so because it's such a great opportunity now for girls yeah. and young women. Did you ever yeah. think that you'd see the day where girls and young women had a pathway towards playing the game that they love? No, quite honestly, I didn't. Although uh, uh, in to- uh, as recently as 2002, when Tom Lonigan was uh, a boarder, he had uh, a friend, more or less a, a, a girlfriend for a while, one of the girl boarders, uh, uh, Caitlin Burke. And I used to let her come out and train with the first 11 on training night. She was so good. Uh, and I, I'm just sorry that uh, uh, the women's footy came too late for her to be involved. She she was incredible. Mm. So she gave me a glimpse of what it could be. Yeah. Do you like the game at the top level, Ray? We're, there's been a lot of discussion recently about whether we should have zones and whether we should have starting positions. You've seen the game evolve over a long period of time. When you watch footy now, do you enjoy it? Uh only the occasional game, uh, not as much probably as I used to, and this is the same with uh, quite a few of uh, you know, people I speak to. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the game was built and became popular on three pillars, long kicking, high marking and classic one-on-one duels where people would go to games, even if they didn't think their side had much of a chance, they'd want to see the champion uh, half back uh, opposed to the the gun centre half forward. Uh, there were always these uh, great individual duels within the context of a game. Uh, I think the games opened up in the last few weeks because there's been uh, quite a lot of criticism, and uh, so I think we're seeing uh, some you know really good stuff at the moment. But uh, I'm not TV ratings of fallen off yeah. and that's that's a problem uh, now 
who'd really want my advice, but I think lessen interchange, uh, lessen the interchange numbers, and if uh, the ball's kicked backwards behind the centre line, marks not to be paid but immediately play on. And I think those two, in my humble view, would solve a lot of the problems here. Well, that last one's really interesting because... They tried that in the VFL, yeah. uh, and I was commentating on the VFL for, I think, about 11 seasons, and they yep. drew the line in the middle of the ground, and they did exactly that. And I thought that that was worth a try. I thought it worked pretty well when they had it yeah. in the VFL, that kicking backwards thing. Yeah, look, the uh, original rules of VFL drawn up in a by gaslight in a uh, pub in the inner city 140 years ago, it was merely about the length of the Ten Commandments. The rule book today must be uh, just about as thick as the Bible. Yeah. But, and uh, the rules are being tinkered with uh, all the time. And uh, uh, there was a uh, column somewhere, I think it actually was in a Sydney paper not long back, that said people who lived a uh, uh, hundred years ago and uh, uh, were reborn today They'd recognise rugby, soccer, tennis, golf, cricket. They'd have struggle. Uh, they'd struggle with Australian rules mm. because it had changed its basic character. Now I know you can't revisit the past, but I think uh, the officials and all involved need to have a good look at where it's going. We're going to take a break and then when we come back I want to find out where the journey started for you and where you fell in love with sport and then we'll talk about some of the great names that you've been involved with over your time at Assumption College. Ray Carroll is a very special guest on this edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives and we'll have more with Ray after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. And what a delight it is to have Ray Carroll as my special guest on This Is Your Sporting Life. We'll talk, Ray, about your time at Assumption College, uh, something you're synonymous with throughout the course of the program. But where did the journey begin for you? I think it began in the Western District, didn't it? Look, uh, a little uh, little bush village uh, about 40 minutes inland from Warrnambool, a place called Hexham. Uh, Dad was... Uh, uh, a shearer and a tent fighter. Uh, in the Depression, he was travelled around the Riverina shearing, but his great mate was Jack Haynes, uh, who was an Australian boxing legend. And uh, for, I think for a couple of uh, uh, winters there, they, both Dad and, and Jack Haynes, played uh, in the Griffith and Leeton area. They played Australian footy on the Saturday. Uh, uh, rugby on the Sunday, and then at all of the shows, uh, you know, the agricultural shows where Jimmy Sharman or Harry Johns had their boxing tents and uh, Dad uh, would line up at those to make a, a few extra bucks. But uh, So Hexham was a great little village that had uh, footy, cricket, tennis clubs, uh, uh, a nice school, Bluestone Pub, uh, three churches, my grandfather's blacksmith shop, a wonderful general store, and now they've all disappeared. Mm. Such is progress, and that's happened, you know, right across our, our vast land. So uh, I went to one teacher primary school, 
then folks uh, moved into Mortlake and uh, I went to the Mortlake uh, State School for a couple of years, then went by bus to uh, Tarang High School, uh, an old bus uh, with bench seats. Uh, the driver was uh, Alfred. His name was Alfred Hitchcock, uh, similar <laughs> to the famous. And uh, was it a mystery where he was taking you? Uh, you could imagine. <laughs> no, it was uh, a mystery how we survived because <laughs> even if one of us played up on the bus going to Tarang in the morning or on the way home. Uh, yeah, uh, the kids had a nickname, had a, a name for for Alfred, but uh, two or three uh, then miles out of Mortlake, rain, hail or snow, or he'd drop us and we'd all walk into town. You know, the uh, I don't think the political correct brigade would be uh, allowing that these days. Um, I played, uh, you know, when I was about fifteen. There were no junior cricket teams or footy teams in the area. And uh, we used to organise our own junior comps, and but we'd go down to the local footy club uh, in the Hamden League. Um, one of the, uh, or, you know, after the war, we had coaches that came from the AFL: George Collard, South Melbourne, then Harry Mears, then uh, Ted Ryan. Later on, after I was gone, uh, uh, Ken Hinckley coached there, and Bill McMaster, but. Uh, uh, a few of us, uh, uh, especially in summer, we'd go down and just field and bowl uh, to the, the local cricketers and cricket was pretty strong in the area. There were uh, three or four guys from uh, the big uh, stations uh, you know, the, uh, around the area and uh, they'd been to Melbourne Grammar and Geelong Grammar and they were uh, the backbone of cricket teams. But... Yeah, I got to play with a couple of my mates when we were about fifteen in the in the senior cricket side and enjoyed some time playing country week in Ballarat and in Melbourne. And at the end of my high school time, I I really wanted to be a teacher, but we had there was no money in shearing then, and Mum. Like most mums of the time, uh, she was just a housewife, and uh, I had to uh, get a job locally as a cadet surveyor with the local shire. And uh, then, through a, a great guy who came as a, a, a principal to uh, uh, to the Mortlake State School, Lex Arthurson, who was a Second World War hero, he loved cricket, and uh, I'd go and got to know him and go and bowl in the nets and vice versa, him to me nearly every night. And he sort of fast-tracked me, uh, got me to teacher's college for a year and um, just a one-year course, I uh, graduated as a primary teacher and then out of the blue, I'd, I'd never heard of Assumption apart from uh, a guy who's a prominent lawyer, Brian Forrest. He's been pretty heavily involved recently in the Nicolick and Smurden cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the one who really got me by some sort of an accident to Kilmore. And uh, when I arrived uh, for the interview, the the principal, Brother Sylvester, uh, the kids were, the boarders were having tea and there were 300 odd boarders at that stage. And he said, uh, uh, I suppose you can teach, but uh, 
I hear you like cricket and football. And uh, I said, yeah, I love them both. He said, oh, well, uh, you can start Monday. And uh, I arrived for the start. Uh, I did a bit of a stint in, in the the country school at Mortlake just as a uh, student teacher. But then my first real teaching experience was at Kilmore. And I remember the first morning, um, Brother Sylvester, the principal, he, he, gave, he sent me down to teach, I think, a class of about 65 in um, in grade grades five and six and I said, I haven't got any textbooks or anything, brother. He, he gave me a little strap and a cane and four pieces of chalk. He said, the boys will have the books, uh, keep a page ahead of them. <laughs> so uh, it was a really different world. But uh, I got involved first in junior footy and some of the early junior teams before I became first 18, first uh, 11 coach, uh, there were... People like Michael Green, Kevin Heath, uh, Renato Serafini and uh, Bernie McCarthy, a uh, lot of big names. Uh, uh, Brendan Edwards had, uh, was just finishing and uh, Brendan, I believe, still holds the record for the most possessions in a grand final mm. at the MCG against uh, Hawthorne, I think Hawthorne's first premiership in 1961 against the Bulldogs. 42 disposals or something like that? It yeah. was in the 40s, I think. Yeah, yeah. in in a grand final. And yeah. on that day, uh, I forget who the Bulldogs sentiment was. It may have been Spargo, but they had a, a classic one-on-one duel, which you don't see so much of today. Well, that's what you were talking about before, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and uh, so then... Uh, 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 Kilmore Assumption had a great uh, footy coach when I was first there, uh, Brother Domnus, who uh, uh, was very successful. Brother, uh, he died a few years ago in Western Australia. And then there was uh, a brother, Stanislaus, and Brother Xavier, and I learned quite a bit from them. But I'd always been keen on uh, uh, coaching and on the the actual two sports particularly. And um, then uh, uh, I was the first lay person, um, apart from the long line of Morris brothers who'd coached Assumption. And uh, I was pretty happy to, um, you know, to become involved. And then for 40-odd years, it was fantastic. And not only the, stu- the, the students that I was lucky to have come to Kilmore, not only from the local area, but from northern Victoria, Riverina, some wonderful Riverina families uh, were represented, like Neil Danaher, Simon O'Donnell, Bill Brownless, Tim Powell, and so many more came from that region. And uh, the involvement with them and their families over the years was a great privilege, yeah. We'll talk more about some of those great names that you've been associated with, but in a broad sense, how old were you when you first took the coaching job at Assumption College? Oh, uh, junior coaching at 21 and uh, uh, cricket cricket coaching, uh, what was it, about, uh, about another eight years before I took cricket and then uh, I started with the first, eight, first 11 in 1967 and that ran through to 2011, mm. then the first 18 from the mid-70s, and I had 36 years with the 
first 18. So what I wanted to ask you was, when you first took over, there wasn't that much of an age difference between you and the young men that you were coaching. No, that's right. But towards the end, there was a huge There was a big difference. gap by, by the end. How did you stay relevant to them? Because today's generation is very different to the generation where you grew up. Yeah. How did you manage to stay relevant to a generation that was probably twice removed? Uh, I was probably fortunate that I was in the one place for a long time and uh, I'd, uh, uh, as the years went on, uh, you know, at the start of the year when we did a roll call and find out who was going to be involved and keen on the various sports and kids would increasingly come up to me and say, oh, Mr Carroll, you coached my dad. Uh, towards the end, it was getting to the point where one or two were coming up. Oh, uh, <laughs> sir, you coached my grandfather. Uh, I think the links I had with families from the past, and I, I was lucky. Uh, I, I never ever used the strap or cane. Uh, I, my dad, uh, even though you know he was just a shearer and a, a knockabout uh, tent fighter who liked a beer with the rest of them, uh, he taught us a valuable lesson. Uh, uh, always treat people in uh, the way that you'd like to be treated and always show respect. And uh, I think I was able to show that and get it in return. And because of the links with the past, uh, that continued on, so I was pretty happy about that. You talked about Billy Brownless. You talked about Neil Danaher. Let's explore them when we come back on the other side of the break. Some of the great talents that you've been able to see come up through your time at Assumption College. Ray Carroll is a very special guest on this edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. And Ray Carroll is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral, celebrating lives as we talk about his magnificent time at Assumption College. And he's synonymous with the development of some of the biggest names in the game. I'll throw a few names at you, Ray, and just tell me your impressions of them. Well, you mentioned Billy Brownless. We know him as a bit of a, a larrikin, a, a knockabout sort of bloke. What was he like as a young fella coming up through the ranks? Uh, he was, a, I suppose, a typical uh, country kid, uh, he, he, he was a great guy. He uh, he loved. Uh, I had him for English, and uh, as I had Shane Crawford and quite a few of them, and he would. Uh, <laughs> and now uh, the reason that you're laughing is because someone's just stuck their head in the studio. Righto, David King. G'day, Ray. G'day, Pete. Hello, Hi, mate. Listen, here's I, my old mentor. I got a, a message for you later from a diner Finn. Can I oh. give it? To you? Yes, you can. As long as it's not a, a, an invoice of some sort. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Good to see the great man. He's a star. He is a star. Thanks, King. Uh, there you go. So there's there's the respect that you've had, and there's how you've touched the football community over the years. The uh, well, I keep going now. Please. Oh yeah. Um, Sorry that King interrupted the one everything. Ta- You're talking about Billy. Oh, Billy Brownless. Um, Billy Brownless. Uh, yeah, terrific character. But his two brothers were there, and they were. Uh, quite good sportsman, cricket and footy, and uh, uh, Blair, who uh, is over in Tasmania, and I think he coached, uh, he he was headmaster of Catholic primary school, he coached Clarence at football, and I think he played for Tassie uh, when we had the 
uh, interstate, you know, interstate stuff used to go on. And uh, he followed uh, Bill a couple of years later. He followed Bill to Assumption and uh, he was doing really well in the second eight, I mean, kicking goals and... Uh, he was desperate to make the first, following Bill's footsteps, and uh, we were about due to play De La Salle in a big game at the weekend, and uh, Tim Powell was our captain, who uh, had a stint with Richmond Carlton, yeah. and I said to Powell, look, I think we'll play Blair, and uh, so I called him over, and uh, I said, look, we think of playing you at... Uh, full forward on Saturday, make your first eight in debut. I know you're pretty keen to play once. And uh, what do you think about it? Well, he he started to almost uh, sh- you know, shake with excitement. <laughs> and uh, so I, I said, yeah, well, you know, head back and join the group. But as he jogged off, I, I called him back. I said, Blair, there's one small problem. Uh, it's uh, a high-pressure game and you've got to be able to give first 18 footy your full concentration and I know you've got pretty friendly with one of the day students, uh, the girl, young girl from Whittlesea and uh, he said, oh y- yeah, we're good friends. I said, well look, there's got to be a decision. It's got to be football or the girlfriend. I'll drop her straight away. <laughs> and uh, and uh, anyway, uh, off he went. But uh, no, he was good and uh, uh, but uh, Billy uh, uh, was a real character and in the middle of every or almost at the start of every English lesson in summer, Mr Carroll, can I go out and roll the pitch? Because I was the actual curator at that point as well, had to prepare the cricket wickets and uh, so Bill would uh, disappear out with uh, and roll the wicket and come back just before the English period ended and uh, he, uh, he, I think he blames me to this day for his, uh, that he hasn't uh, gone to a higher level in uh, English literature and English uh, uh, you know, English expression. But And uh, Shane Crawford was another one who used to like to get out and roll the pitch or in wintertime mark the, uh, the boundary for the footy games. Yeah. And when Croft was under your control, he had a very difficult period in his life. There was lots going on at that time. I think his uh, father passed away. Yeah. And you were obviously a bit more than a football coach at that stage to him. He, uh, yeah, so I can remember remember his dad being brought down in a wheelchair uh, one day when uh, we were playing first 11 cricket and and uh, his father was Ray Crawford and he had terminal cancer and uh, it was a, a fairly emotional time. And then on the day the news came through uh, that uh, to Shane or to the college that uh, Shane's dad had passed away, uh, Shane came in to... I was one of the dorm supervisors and uh, he came in to, and spent about an hour with me uh, just having a bit of a chat about a few things until uh, some relatives were coming through from Melbourne to take him home to uh, take him home to to Finlay. Uh, his mum, uh, a sensational lady who worked two jobs uh, at the one, uh, you know, at, in the mornings, particularly in the, the summer heat of the Riverina, out 
picking tomatoes and then uh, for several hours coming back about midday and then an hour or two later having to, uh, you know, she worked and I think she still works as a, uh, in the uh, club, in the services club in Finlay. And uh, she did that to send, to be able to send Shane to Kilmore and then later his uh, brother Justin. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, look, Shane was uh, an incredible young guy too. He, he, apart from the footy, and in 1991, and when he was in year 11, he finished in 1992, but in 1991, we had him as a, he played as a forward rover and he kicked 112 goals. Uh, then the year later, we had a bit of a different structure, and he was he was virtually a rover uh, on baller all over the ground. But no, uh, he'd get up three or four mornings a week before the rest of the boarders. He'd get up uh, from his dorm, and uh, he'd run up to the monument, uh, whatever the weather was, uh, up a pretty uh, long trek up the up the hill. Uh, he was incredibly fit, and uh, he he went uh, way beyond the probably you know the, uh, what you'd be expected them to do to get fit for a game of footy. Uh, yeah. He was always going to be a, a very fit footballer when he uh, made it to the AFL. Another great name under your care was Neil Danaher, and we know the battles that he's been going through. Um, we often talk about Neil Danaher and talk about his football career being cut short by those injuries, but he, at cricket, could have been anything, you were saying. Yeah, Neil was uh, an outstanding left-hand bat, uh, very fluent, great cover drive, on drive, all the uh, the strokes that are the glory of cricket. He captained us to uh, uh, you know, both football and cricket premierships in 1978. He, uh, in in his two seasons in the first eleven, he made four centuries and uh, average wise, uh, you know, became one of our best performed cricketers uh, in the history of the school. And uh, when Assumption names its team of the century at, I think at Crown on uh, October the twenty seventh, I think Neil will. Uh, be part of that team of the century, having already been named in the football team of the century. But a wonderful fellow who's been dealt uh, two really tough hands of fate, uh, went straight... Uh, because he was uh, taken straight away into football by Essendon from college, uh, that was the end of his cricket career, uh, a bit sadly, because I think he could have gone to the highest level in cricket, one of the best schoolboy players I ever saw, for or against. Uh, straight to Essendon, I think 77 games in the ones, captain of Victoria, captain of Essendon before he turned 21, played for the state, and then uh, knee injuries took their toll. And then down the track, his... Uh, being diagnosed with motor neuron and his response to that and the enormous efforts. You know, the, the courage of Neil is extraordinary, but you're not surprised when I, I had the great honour of meeting his mum and dad on various occasions and even 
uh, drove up to the Northern River Arena to see them a few years ago and uh, uh, something I'd promised Neil I'd do. And uh, the character of Neil's parents just shines like a beacon on a mountaintop. Mm. And so I'm not surprised at, at, uh, at what Neil has been able to achieve. And I'll tell you what, if, uh, he should have become an Australian of the Year. Maybe he will. I hope he gets some recognition in that area. I think a lot of people would be behind you with that call. Just a, a couple of other names um, and tragedy as well involved in both of those. One that came out in a good sense. Peter Crimmins tragically passed away. He was under your care. And Simon O'Donnell, um, who you're yeah. still in contact with, he's also yeah. had his health battles, but thankfully yeah. has overcome yeah. them. Yeah, uh, look, uh, 19, it's as clear as yesterday, uh, going down uh, with a busload of first 18 players to uh, and school leaders to, uh, I think, St John's Church in Hawthorne uh, for Peter's funeral and lining up as part of the Guard of Honour. Uh, he, he was uh, a pretty sensational young player, obviously, at, as a schoolboy, and he was another who was a very good cricket uh, batsman, wicketkeeper, I think he'll be in the uh, have that role in the our cricket team of the century, and uh, I'm still in touch uh, with uh, his son Sam and Ben, and uh, his uh, widow Gwen, who's a great lady, and uh, uh, Simon O'Donnell. Uh, yeah, Simon uh, and two of his brothers came to Kilmore, and they were all rounders. Uh, cricket, footy, um, tennis, and uh, Simon kicked uh, 175 goals for Assumption in his final year of footy. He captained the footy of the cricket side uh, to premierships, and uh, he, he went to St Kilda for, I think, about 20 odd uh, games with St Kilda yeah. at senior side, and then. Uh, uh, Cricket claimed him and he, he got to represent his country, Captain Victoria, diagnosed with uh, a form of cancer during the World Cup in 1987 and it wasn't a very uh, promising diagnosis but I think his fitness and his uh, uh, support group and family or not, uh, he was able to get through that and he's... he's uh, a wonderful fellow, Simon. Yeah, there have been so many names. Crackers Keen's another one we haven't mentioned. I want to mention one name, though, that not a lot of people would have heard about, a guy called Ray Power. Tell us about him. Uh, Ray Power came uh, as a boarder from Gunbower in northern Victoria and uh, he made the uh, both first 11 and first 18 when he was in year nine, but in year 12... He captained both the cricket and footy, and in the uh, football side that year, he, he kicked 210 goals, which is an Australian college record that I, I don't think will ever be beaten. And he's the, the most accurate kick for goal that I'd maybe seen in my life at any level. Uh, it was zoning then, and Assumption uh, were, was in Geelong's zone, and... Uh, Geelong's uh, recruiter of the period, Bill McMaster, and I think he had the, uh, as his offside of their current great recruiter, Stephen Wells. But 
Um, they were very keen to get Ray, and so were other clubs lining up. But he, he really never had the ambition. He played footy till he was about 42, but I think beyond that 210-goal year at Kilmore, I think for the next 20-odd years, uh, he probably 16 times kicked 100 goals in, in a bush side, and I asked him uh, years later, you know, do you have any regrets? And uh, he uh, said, no, I didn't want to be married to to footy. Uh, I wanted from the age of 18 and 30 to enjoy life, meet the right uh, girl, which he did, and uh, start a family. And uh, so uh, that was Ray's story. And such a different story to a lot of the people that we spoke about who who dreamed of being in the big time, but it's not for everybody. It's simply not the way that everybody wants to go. Uh, If we go through all the names that you've had in your tutelage, Ray, we'll be here for a fortnight. So I'm going to take a break and then we'll come back and we'll wrap it up and we'll talk about uh, your time at Assumption coming to an end a few years ago and just general impressions on what has been a magnificent life. Ray Carroll is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives and we'll be back to wrap things up with Ray after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. Our final segment with Ray Carroll. Ray, your time at Assumption came to an end in 2011. Did it come in a way that satisfied you or was there some angst involved in that time? Uh, it, it was actually uh, a bit tough. Look, I was getting to the point where I realised that, you know, advancing years were, uh, I I was going to have to make a decision, but uh, uh, I uh, probably found it difficult to deal with uh, the headmaster at the time, and uh, I wasn't alone in that, and uh, um, things got a bit tough, and yeah, that's about all I can say on that one. What about your last game, the last game in charge? The, the last game was pretty incredible and uh, the memory of it's a bit of a, almost a bit of a blur. Our normal uh, crowd at uh, home first 18 games at Kilmore were, were pretty good. They'd be around about 1,000 people, but an estimated 5,000 turned up on that particular day and... Uh, uh, when I came onto the field uh, uh, with the... I actually had to walk through a uh, uh, a guard of honour. Uh, there were 72 former captains of football and cricket and some of them were uh, some of the ones that have been mentioned and legends of sport. And uh, I walked down the line with uh, our captain, uh, a young lad, uh, Amon O'Connor, uh, he was my last skipper and he got tragically killed a few months later and uh, a, a couple of months after Amon was killed, his sister was killed tragically in a road accident in Melbourne and uh, I met up with his uh, mum and dad only uh, a week ago and uh, you know, they're still struggling to to come to grips with the loss of their two kids. But uh, reverting to that day, um, yeah, it, it was uh, 
pretty amazing day and it was uh, much of it was orchestrated by uh, a great mate of uh, Billy Brownless as an ex-student, Simon Costa, who's uh, part of the Costa family from Geelong. Simon's uh, working in uh, uh, some of the poorer parts of Africa doing an incredible job uh, working for the World Health Organisation. But he, he was a... Uh, one of the real big drivers of that particular day and there was a function that evening. The uh, uh, I had uh, uh, the local Mitchell Shire, the uh, AFL, uh, Crusaders, Cricket Australia, the Victorian Government. They all came and uh, made uh, wonderful presentations to me And uh, uh, but the day itself, a bit of a blur, but uh, it was... Uh, it was a memorable occasion, yeah. Did you encourage everyone to come out to the huddle at three-quarter time that day? Uh, yeah, I, I did. It was actually, uh, th- I think, through Simon Coster and Chris Dow, who's uh, uh, a good friend of mine, an ex-student, and his sister married Alan Tripp. Uh, yeah, uh, they arranged for my three-quarter time address to be uh, broadcast, uh, like to be uh, uh, yeah, on air, and it went to some groups of people in England, and uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I, I really can't remember what I said, but I know that that uh, that's what happened. Yeah, well, I reckon it might even be on YouTube somewhere if you want to have a look for it, and maybe you could see some of the work of this man. Finally, Ray, we're talking about a career that spans a lifetime, um, more than half a century. What's your proudest achievement? What's the thing you're most proud of in your time guiding those young men at Assumption College? Uh, probably the fact that they went on to uh, uh, become almost without exception very good people. In many cases, uh, uh, you know, good, good family men, uh, pillars of local communities and uh, uh so yeah, way beyond any any trophies or premierships, and I, I was really fortunate to be involved in uh, I think forty five cricket and footy titles. But all of that's transitory. It's uh, people that counts, and and uh, that I was able to retain the friendship of all these young fellows and their families. Uh, down to this present day is what I'm most proud of. And, and if you're proud of them, I'm sure they're proud of you and we talked about the respect that is generated towards you. I don't think we can talk about Assumption College and very few people ever talk about Assumption College without mentioning your name and your influence. It's been a wonderful career. It's been 25 years since we've had a chat, but it's been lovely to catch up. Thank you, Ray. Thanks very much. Ray Carroll joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Hope you can join us for another edition of the program next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.